You know, so much is going on that I just couldn't get it all into one podcast. So I, I'm still writing half this stuff. And I, that's after working last night and working this morning. And I decided, you know something, I, I've i got a uh, graduation to go to today and I'm really busy. So let's make this kind of a simple podcast. I've got a couple, uh, four books here that I want to recommend reading. And I even have guidelines on how to read these books. So I've read these books in the last three weeks, really good books. So let's talk about those today and let's just get out of the political game. This is Gene and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Okay, what a just jumbled mess that is happening today and yesterday. Oh my Lord. Uh, we got more information about this shooter or this attempted uh, murderer who went after Brett Kavanaugh. And I started writing about that and I just said to myself, you know something, I need to take my time on this one because I am, I'm bent about it. And and then we had Joe Biden's interview with Jimmy Kimmel. Oh my Lord. Even though this event was completely scripted, completely scripted. You can tell that this was one jacked up interview. That that Joe Biden is no longer with us. He is gone. And it was a hundred and some odd days since he did a sit-down interview with anyone and he did a sit-down interview with Jimmy Kimmel. And he's still after uh, Jimmy Kimmel, who is the most pro-Biden guy you could ever imagine. And Jimmy Kimmel couldn't save Biden. Jimmy Kimmel in the middle of the inner in the middle of one of Joe Biden's answer and cut to a commercial because Joe Biden was drowning. So I it, it, I, I tell you this is stuff some stuff that I just don't want to cover today. I might do something tomorrow. I don't know, but I've got a graduation tonight, so I'll be with Josie and her kids all weekend. It's going to be a, a special weekend. Uh, and then we still have the uh, we still have the congressional extravaganza tonight. I mean, w- the Democrats are in such a mess right now, and it's so obvious that oh, it it, it is almost painful to watch. Okay, but today I've decided we're gonna we're gonna take a look at some books that I've been reading over the last oh I think couple of months now because uh, I I think I'm gonna add a book here. So the books are, and believe it or not, not all of them are political. Not all of them are political. I have one political book that I'll recommend. I'll give you a quick uh, diagnosis of this book. I have two books that are culture-based books, and I think I have one to two classics. It just depends on how much time I have left. I'll probably cover all of them. But the first book, let's take a look at this book. This book is called... And I've been talking a lot about this. I did a podcast on it. It's called The Great Reset. Joe Biden and the Rise of the 21st Century Fascism. Now, I have I am currently reading this book a second time. Okay? And the reason I'm reading a book the second time is I read the book first. And at first, the book seems like it's a lot of conspiracy theory. Okay? And that's I think one of the reasons why the book has had a really hard time getting out to the readers. 
Like, for example, I, I went to Amazon. I'm still waiting for it on Amazon. And then I found out Amazon, oh, yeah, they're not shipping it. So I, I thought this was one of the reasons why I decided to go out and actually buy the book. And this is one of the reasons why you always buy physical books. Okay, so I bought the book, I read it, and I thought, wow, this seems like a lot of conspiracy theory. And Glenn Beck is kind of a conspiracy theorist. The problem with Glenn Beck is that people, conspiracy mongers, will have a problem with this. He's usually right. And this book is no exception. And what is wonderful about this book, and if you decide that I'm going to listen to the audio, I'm going to listen to the audio book, don't do that. Actually, buy the book. If you're going to listen to the audio, because I do have the audio book too, and the audio book is read by Glenn Beck, and it is, it is extremely entertaining. There's no question. This guy knows how to act. He has, in the book, he has 511 footnotes. He has about 30 pages of footnotes. And if you decide that you think this guy's a conspiracy theorist, go to the footnotes and look this stuff up because it's all out there. And most of the footnotes actually come from the World Economic Forum when it comes to the Great Reset or the Fourth Industrial Revolution as... Well, no, he's uh, uh, Klaus Schwab is calling it the Fourth Industrial Revolution, but he calls the Fourth Industrial Revolution the Great Reset. And this book is horrifying. And the reason it's horrifying is because all this crap that he says is going to happen is already happening. That's why when I say none of this stuff's an accident, Joe Biden is a pure supporter of the Great Reset. He's a pure supporter of the World Economic Forum. He's a pure supporter of globalism. That's why, that's why one of the reasons why the Democrats and the left try and make nationalism into something that's racist. Nationalism isn't racist. I'm a nationalist. I'm not a white nationalist. I'm a nationalist. I believe in country first. I'm sorry. That's what nationalism is. The problem is, you know who else was a nationalist? China's a nationalist company, a country. They're not globalists. Xi Jinping is not a globalist. He's a nationalist. He believes in China first, period. Um, Germany, Nazi Germany, they were nationalists. That's what Nazi stands for. Nationalist Socialist, uh, Nationalist Socialist Workers Party. That's what, what uh, Nazism is. They were nationalists. So, they always try and, and group nationalists into racists. So if you're a nationalist, you're pro-Hitler. No, I'm pro-United States. And I got news for you. A lot of black people, a lot of Jews, they're also nationalists. They believe J Ben Shapiro is a nationalist. Okay. Uh, Zuby, who is a uh, rapper, weightlifter, conservative, he's a nationalist. Candace Owens, black woman, nationalist. But they try and demonize that word and make you out into a racist to the point where they'll call Larry Elder the blackface of white supremacy. No, he's he's a black conservative who's a nationalist. Most conservatives are nationalists. But this book discusses what happens when we go away from nationalism and follow a globalist agenda that is run by an international cadre of elites. Now, I read this book, and then I thought to myself, I wonder, it does mention Klaus Schwab's books in it, and I decided, okay, I'll read Klaus Schwab's two books about 
COVID-19 and the Great Reset. And I can't remember. Let me take a look. What was the other book? The other book was uh, The Great Narrative for a Better Future. Those are his two books. Okay, Klaus Schwab, he wrote um, The Great Reset in 2020, right after the pandemic started, and he wrote uh, the, narr- the Great Narrative, he wrote that after um, uh, COVID started dying in 2021. And you know what? The Great Narrative is the scarier book, because he actually tells you how to take over countries like the United States. When I read those books... That's when I said, I got to read this book again, because now I understand where Klaus Schwab is coming from. And if you haven't listened to those podcasts where I talk about the Great Reset, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, and then the very next podcast, I had the uh, interviews, I had the actual statements from the World Economic Forum and what those elitists think they're going to try and do. You need to listen to those podcasts. They're very important. This is a great book. It's an extremely easy read. Um, it's very difficult to get a hold of. I actually got this one from Barnes and Noble. Amazon wouldn't ship it to me. And I was so worried that I wouldn't be able to get this book. I actually paid for next day delivery. I did listen to the audio book also. So I guess I read the book. I'm, I read the book three times. It's that entertaining. You can, you can read this book. I take notes in the book. I write all over, but I also write all over Klaus Schwab's books. Very, very disturbing book. Very interesting read. He goes over things like ESG score, which I think we're going to have to go over, which stands for environmental, social, and governance score that a lot of companies are pursuing. Dave, if you're listening, uh, the and uh, my co- your our company probably uses ESG scores. It's a very very scary book. It's very scary, very dystopian, and if it weren't that Glenn Beck has written on the cover, I would think George Orwell wrote it. Very, very scary book. So that that's one. So there's my political book. We won't be talking about political books. I've got a couple others that I just read. Um, the next book, this is a cultural book, and this is a really uplifting book. I, I, I like this book, but understand something. I'm a literature major. Okay, so I, I would really enjoy this stuff. I like poetry. I like reading. I like the authors they talk about. This is a book called The Truth and the Beauty by Andrew Clavin. The Truth and the Beauty, and then it has a little thing, how the lives and works of England's greatest poets point to the way to a deeper understanding of the words of Jesus. This is a great book because essentially what Andrew Clavin says, again, a Daily Wire member, he's older, so he doesn't do podcasts all the time. But this is, this is something our culture has lost. Europe has lost this a long time ago, which is why Europe has not had another great writer. The United States has all the great writers, including me. I'm trying to write a book, trying to write a second book that kind of follows along with this. Our culture has lost God. And what Andrew Clavin does is he decided that he was a Jew and became a Catholic. And he decided that he wanted to understand the Bible and he wanted to understand the words of Jesus Christ to the point that he actually learned Greek to do this. Now, Andrew Clavin is a writer and a uh, he does movies and things like that. That's probably part of the reason he has enough time to learn Greek. But he discovered 
that, you know what, it's not just learning Greek and reading the text, reading the words of Jesus. It's actually discovering the man, Jesus. And that was his big goal, is to discover the man. He realized he could discover who Jesus Christ was by simply reading the great works of poetry. Shakespeare. Um, Shakespeare, Mary Shelley, John Keats, Lord Byron, uh, Wordsworth, John Milton, William Blake, because all were Christians. All, all of them, uh, Lord Byron, for example, was a, a, Lord Byron's work is sick. If you read it, it's really out there. Uh, and he was known as a player back in the 1700s. But the idea is all of these works mixed Christianity or or melded Christian thought and Christ within the works within nature and these poets got it Coleridge is another one these poets got it they understood the balance and the joining that Christianity or Christian ethics and nature have together a simple example with this would be um, mur- thou shalt not kill in the Bible. This is a very simple example. This is not out of the book. Okay. Have you ever thought, I want to go and kill that person, but never did it? Why is that? Because your nature says killing is bad. You technically do not even need a commandment that says, thou shalt not kill. Because the reality, a normal human being, it's against his nature to kill. That is a melding of nature and Christian ethics. And that's what Jesus Christ had mastered. It wasn't, for example, the truth, the word. They call, he calls it the logos. The, the, that is a complete joining of the natural world. With the, hum- with the human person, the understanding of the absolute truth. And Jesus Christ is the only human being that's ever walked the earth can do it. So what Clavin does, which is great, the first, I think, three quarters of the book is all about the poetry and how the poetry and how the works, like Mary Shelley didn't write poetry, she actually wrote Frankenstein, but it's about how the poetry shows how these great artists were able to achieve, even for a moment, that joining of nature and humanity. And he shows specific parts of poems that express that. The Rime of the Ancient Mariner, for example, by Coleridge. He shows that this is a man who was outside of humanity, and he was outside of nature. He couldn't. He wasn't part of either, and then suddenly... During a shipwreck, he he was able to join both. And he was able to keep himself out of hell, which was actually the ghost ship that he had seen. It's a wonderful explanation. And the last quarter of the book is about what uh, Clavin learned from, um, from about Jesus Christ from the poetry. Because that's what he did. He, he studied poetry. So he was able, and you hear a lot about this with Michael Knowles, who's also from the Daily Wire. He's a, a, a devout Catholic, 
And he has said the same thing. He talks about it in the same way, but Clavin does it so much better than Knowles does it. It's just, it's a wonderful book. Now, it may sound preachy. It may sound preachy. It's not. It's not preachy at all. It just goes over and it kind of discusses it. Like we're sitting back having a conversation. Last night there was a party and we I was talking to a girl. She's 16 years old. And talking to her, she's daughter of one of my friends. And we were talking, she's a huge reader. And we talked about poetry and literature. And we talked about uh, how Christianity is really important. She needs to hold on. Christianity is in Shakespeare. Christianity is in just about every work of art. It's in Moby Dick, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. It's in just about every bit of writing. And that is where Clavin said is the biggest problem with literature today. Literature has lost God, has become secular, and therefore forgettable. Stephen King, I think, is the ultimate example of that. Stephen King has become, is very secular. And yeah, Stephen King's books, they're very good, but they're not memorable. They're definitely not classics. Because there's no heart, there's no soul in, in the writings. Very good books. I mean, it was a pretty good book. It, it was not a great book. It was The movie was better than the book, in this case. Um, uh, the Shining was one of the scariest books I've ever read, but it's forgettable. There's a reason why I've read The Shining twice. Because I forgot what it was about. Whereas, I'm not going to forget about the... Uh, I'm not going to forget about The Rime of the Ancient Mariner. Or The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. Because there's a lot of religious foundation in those books. I'm not going to forget Macbeth. I'm not going to forget Hamlet. I'm not going to forget Romeo and Juliet. Because there's a lot of religion. There is a foundation that analyzes the souls of people that go against nature. It's a great book. It's a great book. It's worth the read. It's a very easy read. A lot of people, it sounds like it's preachy. Honestly, it's not. Okay, the second cultural book, this one is actually just kind of fun. Uh, and, and this is an extremely easy book to read. Very short chapters, very interesting. Yeah, and I think this book is going to be made for the older folk. 100 Things We've Lost to the Internet by, Paul, by uh, Pamela Paul. Great book. And it is just a list and a short explanation of all of the things that the internet has taken away from people. To give you a couple of ex examples, um, getting lost. This is something we don't have to worry about anymore because we have our smartphones and we can um, we have our smartphones and we can go out. Just type in where we're going and it'll take us right there. But there are disadvantages to getting lost, not getting lost. These are things that make life exciting. Well, it's gone. Boredom is gone. Um, being late is something that we're all late now, as opposed to before we would be on time. We would make sure we would get to a spot on time. This is just a really fun, bad photos is another one. Remember back in the day, you had to take a picture with a camera with the film. And most of the time the pictures came out like crap. That's something she points out. You don't have that issue anymore. 
You don't have to worry that the, that you're going to end up with a box full of crappy photos and that half the photos you can't see for a while because you've got a 36-picture uh, roll of film and you went through 20 pictures. You have to waste 16 pictures. Remember all that? Again, this book is going to be something that if you're, I'd say 45 and above, if you are actually not an internet native, you're going to completely understand. I'm 54 years old. And I remember all this crap. I remember when I would get home from school and there was no there was no internet, there were no computers, there were no video games. And what did I do? I'd go outside to entertain myself. Right? I'd go outside and and play for a while because I had nothing to do. Especially if I didn't have homework. It's a it's a great book. Um, just a fun read. If you want to get through, I mean, this is a book you could actually, the chapters are very short. The read is very easy. The, uh, she's humorous. She's not, she doesn't, she doesn't, uh, ramble on like a speaking rambling. That's going to be our next book. It's a really good book. You should probably take a look at it. You could, I think most people can get through this book in a day, maybe a weekend. I, I finished this book in two days and that's because I didn't read all day. It was a very easy read. The next two books are the classics. Okay, They're, they are two classics. Um, this next book, I, I'm sure everyone may have tried to read this thing, and I tried to read it, and then I went to an audiobook. Then I started, I went back and forth between audiobook and reading the book which is kind of difficult because you, it's very difficult to find uh, chapters in the audiobook because this book is very long. It's 700 and some odd pages, and it's 135 chapters. It, it, it is a rather brutal book, and that is Moby Dick by Herman Melville. Now, Moby Dick, I tell you, it, 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 it's a very long-winded book, but I'm going to give you some advice. I am going to give you some advice on how to read Moby Dick. So, what do you do? The way to read this book is the first 170 or so pages. So, chapters 1 through 31. Read that. Then skip all the chapters until you get to chapter 92 and start reading it again. You're basically cutting out about 500 pages. The book itself could have been cut down to about 300 pages. If you skip all the middle of the book, you 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 skip everything is completely irrelevant. And by the way, that's why this book was never all that popular for Melville, even though it's an American classic today. So what is Moby Dick about? Moby Dick about is about a um, gentleman named, uh, oh, jeez, I can't believe, I am Ishmael. He uh, named Ishmael. And he and his pagan friend, who's from some South, some South Pacific island named Quecog, join up with a boat, a ship called the Pequod. And the Pequod is a whaling ship. The captain of the ship is a guy named Ahab. I'm sure you've heard all these names before. There's nothing new. As a matter of fact, if you've seen Star Trek... Uh, the Wrath of Khan, the old movie. Half of this, half of the quotes from that movie are from this book. 
Okay, and if you read the first 31 chapters and the last, uh, what was it? I can't remember, 92. So last 30, 30 chapters, you will see all of the quotes that are from that movie. And Ahab recently lost his leg. He's a peg leg. Lost his legs by trying to kill a white whale. And that white whale is named Moby Dick. That's it. Okay. It is a very intense book. They could, again, I wish they would have cut out those 400 pages. I believe you can actually get an uh, an abridged version of the book that does cut out a lot of that stuff. Because in the middle of the book, all they talk about is how a ship is made, how a ship works, how um, whales, the, the genealogy of whales, uh, how the physical attributes of the whale. It's really dull. It is extremely dull stuff. And in that case, if you want to, just listen to the audiobook. But I mean, it's once you get to the end, you get to the chapters where they, they start talking, they, they all start doing actions, it, it goes back to live action. It gets really intense. And the book is something that I didn't... I, did, I read the book before when I was in um, high school. I had to. I, I didn't realize how funny it is. The book is actually quite humorous. There's a lot... This this uh, Ishmael, who is narrating the book, he's actually pretty funny. So especially his initial meeting of Quiacog, who is a heavily tattooed, huge black man and he had to sleep with him the first night he had arrived at Nantucket it it was the whole the whole series is just funny but it is definitely worth the read I would take a look at it and if you're an American and you love American literature I think this book was basically time that the United States began to take over the culture from the Brit from the from Europe Europe's literature started going way down, and the United States literature started going way up. Yet this is this was released at a time where you had Edgar Allan Poe, po, Nathaniel Hawthorne, um, and other great writers like that. And the writers just got better. The last book I want to say, and this is this I I've read this book once, but I didn't understand much of anything about it. Of course, I'm older now, so I my vocabulary is a lot thicker. But I think this is a book everyone read. It's called it's uh, John Milton's Paradise Lost. Now you may say to yourself, "Oh God, it's so long. It is so boring. It is so long-winded, and it is all of those things." But there is a version of the book that makes reading it really easy, and you can get a load of the story. You can get a hold of what's happening in the book by just reading it in plain English. Now, is there going to be some loss in the translation? Yeah, there's some loss in the translation. But the problem is, what's lost is all the crap that you just... God, it's so flowery. and eh. The book is called uh, John Milton's Paradise Lost in Plain English. And it's by Joseph Lanzara. Uh, it did ru- win an award, an, a literary award, called the Dumb Down Award winner. Dumb Down Award. So, it is an excellent book. Now, let me give you an example of this book. I'm just going to open the book up, and I'm going to read... I'm going to read a section of... 
of what Milton wrote and then how it translated. So, this section. This is from Book 6, Line 486. Dilated and infuriate, such send forth from afar with thundering noise among our foes, such implements of mischief as shall dash to pieces and overwhelm whatever stands adverse that they shall fear we have disarmed. The thunder of his only dreaded bolt. Okay, that's that's what Milton wrote. This is what this guy wrote. The explosion will send some serious damage on our enemies' heads. They'll think we stole God's worst weapon for our own use. You see how much easier it is? It, it, it's literally, you can take this book, read all of the odd pages, and you will know exactly what Paradise Lost is about without having to read all of this stuff. As a matter of fact, it makes the read really fast. So if you're, and it really is, it's very interesting. Um, they talk about the, the war between heaven and hell, between Lucifer, who became Satan, and God. It talks about the standing of Jesus, where Jesus is, and how Jesus sacrificed himself to save man, and the pain that Adam and Eve went when they were banished from the uh, Garden of Eden. It's a it's a fantastic book. It's if you read just the plain English, you will understand Paradise Lost and you can actually have a discussion with it. And Paradise Lost has got to be one of the most incredible books ever written. And now I know why. Because I actually understand what Milton was saying. It's really worth it. Okay, well, I hope you had fun with this. I know this was a little different. Uh, I'll get back to the 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 fun political stuff on Monday. I hope you guys have a great weekend. And if you have any kids that are graduating, because I know a bunch are, congratulations to you. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Mm-hmm.